Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. For the most part of this year, many people have been focused on keeping their head just above water, putting their big career goals on ice while navigating COVID-19 and its everlasting impact. As this weird year then comes to an end and you can plan for your 2021 with resolutions and all, the question is, do you perhaps think that it is time to invest in a life coach to help recognize and achieve some of the potential that is great and locked within you? Those persons might have answers in this conversation I'm about to have with Ms. Neshika Beam. Neshika, thank you so much for your time. Good evening, ma'am. Welcome to The Viewpoint. Hi, Sundeza. Thank you for having me on the show. Life coach, a new concept to many. I've heard of it, but I cannot tell you what a life coach is all about. Give us a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Well, Sangeza, actually coaching in general um, looks at life as well as business because the business world and life are so inextricably related. Um, Coaching itself is a partnership that creates self-awareness and builds internal capacity within clients and helps them to address their challenges and realize aspirations. And so whether it is life coaching or business coaching, it focuses on internal growth and creates clarity for people on how to move forward. It's designed mainly to help people uh, achieve their outcomes, um, outcomes that could lead to success and unlock potential, like you mentioned. How does one find a life coach? How does one know a life coach is compatible with one? How does one know that this is something that I can work with or this is something that I cannot work with? Of course, a lot of it is just about how personalities meet and find compatibility. But under that particular layer, there is a professional engagement about which we are talking. And the question is, how does then one discern for oneself that this is taking me the right path or not the path that I prefer? Thank you for that question, Sangeza. I think um, it's an important question because at the moment in the industry, uh, there's not enough uh, awareness about what coaching is about. Um, at the moment, a lot of people are introduced to coaches by word of mouth and it isn't necessarily a framework or a process. So as Coach Florence, we've put together a framework, uh, which I'll go to, uh, that helps coaches to be able to to, to look at criteria specific to themselves in selecting a coach. You're absolutely right that things like personality, attitudes, values, and beliefs, they're definitely important when selecting a coach. But you can't discern that up, up front when meeting someone. So there has to be some other criteria that one needs to look for. Um, and so if, if, if people do their research, the thing that they should be looking for and what our research has found is that market credibility factors are the, are, are the factors that outrank any other factors when selecting a coach. So market credibility, by that I mean qualifications, experience. Um, you know, because credibility is that quality of being trusted and believed. And so that's what, that's what main factors that you should be looking for, experience, qualifications. And then, of course, when you have shortlisted coaches after doing your research, the next step, most coaches offer a chemistry session or what they call a discovery session, which is a free session where you get to meet the coach, interact, 
and determine whether you have rapport. And in that session, one can try to get to those deeper level facets, see whether you get that gut feel of whether you can work and be vulnerable with this particular coach. Um, and so those are some of the things that one needs to look for. Market credibility, definitely. And then always ask for that chemistry or discovery session to meet with your coach. See if you can open up and if that person's the right fit for you. We are in conversation with Ms. Nishika Beam, who is the founder and director of CoachFluence. Hashtag business on Wednesday. Is it time to invest in a coach? We are taking your calls on Johannesburg 714-2006. We are especially appealing to those who are in the industry, either as life coaches or those consuming the services of a life coach. And those, more importantly, or as importantly, who are thinking of going that route, more especially when they want to essentially start afresh in the year 2020. The interesting thing about coaching is that you have to trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. These are the words of former Australian national women's field hockey coach Rick Charlesworth. How do we unpack that statement? And which is more, how do you differentiate that if we are associating it to a life coach with a psychologist? Because it might be that the respective roles might be conflated? Great question again. Coaching takes its, its theory from psychotherapy, but they are distinctly different. Similar but different. Psychotherapy treats mental illnesses like, you know, PTSD, depression, etc. And psychotherapists are able to diagnose and treat this. Um, psychotherapy, if we look at that, that as a discipline, tends to have a past focus and specifically works at healing from the past. Now, when you look at coaching, on the other hand, coaching is helping individuals achieve their future goals. So it has a more future focus. Um, it, it doesn't diagnose, nor does it look at healing the past. So it's a future-focused approach and helping people to get to where they want to be. So there are similarities in the approaches and the techniques that, is, that are used, but different in what is being focused upon. Let's take a break. Let's continue after it. We have Ms. Neshika Beam, founder and director of CoachFluence. We are getting into the psychology of human development, personal development, career development, all things to do with opening up yourself to somebody who at least officially has your best interests at heart. Nashika Beam will be on the line still for another 10 minutes after the break and we invite those who wish to participate to please send messages, WhatsApps, as well as voice notes and ideally give us a call on Johannesburg 714-2006. After the break, the question remains, is it time to invest in a life coach or in a coach period? The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez on SAFM. The conversation with Nashika continues, talking about the investment of oneself in the hands of a life coach. Perhaps another distinction that we ought to make before we try and get to some of the aspects associated with the relationship that we are ultimately talking about. What is the difference then between a life coach and a mentor? Are those terms interchangeable? 
It's not exactly. Um, everyone has to look at a mentor. There you're looking at a relationship where the mentor is generally the more experienced senior colleague. And that relationship, you know, you generally have the mentor sharing their knowledge and their greater experience, supporting the development of someone who's less experienced. It's kind of the approach that says, you know, I'm more senior, I have extensive experience, and I can tell you how I have done it. And that's great because it, it tells you how other people have tackled the business world and life and gives you great insight. But as we all know, no two people are alike, and solutions don't necessarily work across the board. With coaching, because it's a partnership that looks at the individual and looks at their internal capacity, their specific issues, their strengths, their weaknesses, it takes a more individual approach and helps the, the coachee to move forward. If I can use an analogy here, and, and I'll add consulting to the mix as part of this analogy, just to distinguish that from the uh, mentoring and, and coaching as well. Let's say you wanted to learn how to ride a bike. You didn't know how to ride a bike. You want to learn how to ride a bike. If you get yourself a mentor, a mentor will tell you, hey, when I first started riding the bike, this is the bike that I got. And these are all the things that I did when I fell off the bike. This is how I got back on the bike. Great information. And you can keep that in your memory bank when you're riding the bike. But at the end of the day, you've got to get onto the bike and ride it yourself. Now, same situation, and if I get a consultant, a consultant will research all the bikes in the market for you, tell you the best bike you can get, give you all the biking um, gear, all the best practices out there. They'll even probably get you three quotes on bikes that you could purchase. But at the end of the day, again, you've got to get onto the bike and ride the bike yourself. With a business coach or a coach or a life coach, they will walk with you as you ride the bike. And when you fall off that bike, they will be there as you get back onto the bike. They'll help you internalize the lessons that you learned when you fell off the bike so that you can use that to continue riding and riding faster. I hope that analogy is helpful. It certainly does, because it does trim the fat in terms of the nature of the conversation that we are having. Let's go back then to the question or the conversation on a life coach in particular. I'm sitting wherever I may be sitting. I'm in a job. I'm in a relationship. My family situation is whatever it is, and I just keep having conversations in my head. At what point does one realize that they need a life coach, or what are the trigger events in one's thoughts anyway that should be the telltale signs that an external party intervening or participating in your life or in these internal conversations should be there. I'm not speaking now from the psychological perspective. Yeah. I'm not speaking from the mentorship perspective. I'm speaking from the perspective of that of a life coach because all of these things ultimately will be discussion points when the two people interface. Exactly. So, you know, one of the signs that you could engage a life coach or one is necessary is when you're feeling stuck. Clients generally describe that feeling of that they don't know what to do. Um, And they know they should change, but they're uncertain of their options of how to become unstuck. And that's that's a good point to think about, okay, 
how do I how do I reframe? How do I move forward? But when you're in that space, it's hard to see your options, and that's a great time to be seeking the services of a coach um, because a coach can help you rekindle your enthusiasm for your career, your life, work on those strengths and your weaknesses, help you create a vision for the future. You know, um, other other times where you may consider a coach is career transitions. At the moment, with COVID and the pandemic job losses, there's so many stresses that people are undergoing. Um, and lots of people out there don't exactly know how to cope with this. And it is helpful to have a thinking partner to help you navigate these waters and help you chart a, a path forward. So those are some cases where you may think, hey, I need to invest in myself, invest in getting someone to help me work through this, and a good idea to get a coach. Good time to get a coach is when you're having those conversations. Now, how is the relationship regulated? Is there an industry body? Is there a law? Is there some form of association of professionals or the other? Or is it just literally one going out on a whim and hope that they will find somebody and that that relationship will work? And if there are any challenges in that relationship, there might be somebody who is there to regulate those affairs. Great question. Um, so it, there isn't a law at the moment, and it's not a regulated industry like um, therapy or counseling. However, there are bodies that do look at coaching ethics and coaching practices in the industry. And some of those bodies that are quite well known and popular is the International Coach Federation. It's the largest uh, in the world with the largest uh, number of coaches and quite recognized by HR professionals. Um, uh, coaches that belong to the ICF um, have to follow a set of code of ethics, and if they breach that, there are consequences uh, from the body to the coach. They're not the only body. Um, uh, there's also the uh, EMCC um, and other bodies. So there are a couple of bodies, and that's how... That's another reason that, that, that coaches should do their research. One of the criteria when looking for a coach is once you've, you, you've done your research, make sure that they're accredited with one of the professional bodies. And then you can be assured that they subscribe to a code of ethics and there's a code of conduct. There's a consistent process. Um, and, and that's one way to be able to ensure that you, you are getting someone who's experienced, qualified, and following industry best practices. Interesting. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I'm just yeah. going to assume that a lot of the time things do happen the way they should happen. But, of course, that's not always guaranteed. Let's talk about the fine lines that coaches have tended to cross or even the clients have tended to cross and how those lines can be sufficiently guarded if certain protections up front are established and or declared? So one of the important things when engaging with a coach um, is to ensure that you, you establish a coaching contract. So number one, you've done your research. Make sure that they, they, they belong to an accredited body. The ICF is a good one. And then make sure that you sit down with them and you develop and have a coaching contract that outlines what your expectations are and, and what you hope to achieve at the end of it. 
um, and that you are on the same page in terms of what is going to be delivered. Um, and so from a, from a process perspective, that would be what I would advise uh, potential coaches to do. Ensure that, that you do sit down with your coach and are clear on what the process is going to look like and what the, what, what, what the outcomes would be or your expectations. Interesting point. Have you come across examples where there has been a relationship of the kind that has broken down to extent that where there was the need for interventions outside the two parties, be it from a criminal sense or from a civil sense? Because this is something, of course, that for a young person in particular who is young and impressionable, they might fall prey to if they don't take the necessary safeguards. So what are the extremes of what it is that we're talking <laughs> to be honest with you, Sangezo, I, I haven't uh, experienced or read of any cases where there's criminal um, uh, behavior or intent. But what are some common um, common pitfalls of the process, if I can call it that, um, is the relationship between a coach and a coachee is a very intimate relationship. You're sitting down with someone, you, you're bearing your soul, your hopes, your aspirations and you're trying to work towards a goal and to achieve objectives. And because of the, the, the intimacy of the information you're sharing, um, there, there could be cases where that relationship extends across that, that fine line of just client and uh, coachee and progresses into something that's a, a, a relationship beyond that. And so there have been cases um, where that has been involved but um, whereas criminal cases, etc., not so much that I've heard of. Fantastic then. Let's leave it there, Ms. Nashika Beam, founder and director of CoachFluence. If you're sitting at home and you're engaging your own thoughts on career transitions, career inertia and feeling stuck, desire to make an impact, burnout and developing resilience is something that you need, then you are probably on the right path to getting yourself a life coach because they certainly do help you find your purpose. Ma'am, thank you so much for your time and everybody at home, thank you so much for your time and for being available to us on The Viewpoint. Thank you, Sengezo. Excellent. Good night, everybody.